But that was exactly why I loved him. I knew nothing about who the object of my affection was in his real life. He was, purely and simply, what I needed him to be in mine. A wish. A way to pretend to be older than I actually was. A perfectly safe relationship. Because it was completely one-sided. Crushes are love for the faint-hearted. A way to practice pairing up before the stakes get intense. Much like the way a little girl delights in putting on makeup with her mom long before she is old enough to actually start wearing it. Or how she swaddles and feeds a doll decades before having a baby of her own. Role-playing at love is a dress rehearsal, a trial run before you give your heart to someone. A crush, by definition, will never hurt you, not as long as you've invented him correctly, building him up to dynamic and unrealistic proportions in your mind. On the other hand, a real romantic relationship is a bottomless black pit into which you dive blindly. Sometimes you hit the water, sometimes you land on the rocks. It's so much easier to adore someone imaginary. My husband told me once that when he was 13, he dreamed he was crazy in love with a girl named Sandra. He could still, years later, describe the color of her hair and her lopsided smile and the way she smelled like sunlight and apples. Before he woke up, Sandra turned into a rabbit and hopped away from him. For weeks, he was moody and depressed, even though the girl he'd lost had never been real. True, Donnie Osmond was real, but that hardly compared to the version of him I'd created in my mind's eye. To me, he was not a Mormon or an entertainer. I did not even really see him as a teenager, although he was the same age as the boy who lived across the street, who had sideburns and armpit hair, and was rumored to have made out with a substitute teacher behind the wood shop at the high school. No. In my dreams, Donnie was clean-cut and asexual, attentive and gentle and understanding. I've sometimes wondered what would have happened if I'd magically teleported from my backyard that evening to the studio where Donnie and Marie was filmed. What Mr. Osmond would have done when confronted by a grubby, tear-stained child clutching a pillowcase emblazoned with a bad likeness of his face. I like to think that with his many siblings and cousins, he would have been kind. I like to believe he would have given me a cookie to feed my hunger, and perhaps a kiss on the cheek to feed my dreams. Many years later, I had the chance to watch Donny Osmond perform in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. By now, we were both adults with families of our own. He sang from the bottom of his soul, not the bubblegum pop that had made me adore him as a child, but a tortured ballad about what it feels like to have everything taken away from you. He was half naked on stage, and I was now old enough to appreciate his physical attractiveness and to feel the embers of that old crush start to burn 
in a new corporeal way. What if, I thought, for all of half a second. It was not completely unlikely that his wife or sons or daughters-in-law or even Donnie himself might have stumbled over one of my books and enjoyed it. Because of Hollywood and Broadway adaptations of my work, there was even a slight, odd chance that we might one day meet. But what would happen if the crush collided with the real man? I have heard from people who have met Donnie Osmond that he is a nice guy. There is a lot we have in common now that we might talk about. A dedication to family, an unflagging work ethic, but there are significant points of disagreement, too. Due to his faith, Donnie allegedly opposes same-sex marriage.